Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking About the Big Stuff podcast. I am Michael Cole. I am here with Matthew Cravat. And honestly, Matthew, I don't think we'll ever get tired of hearing me fuck up the, the intro. This time, I, you're not hearing the fuck up right now, but I did fuck it up. So. No, what I'm laughing about this time, though, is not that mess up. It's the one you're actually keeping here. You almost sound like, hey, everybody, it's me, Dr. Nick. <laughs> talking about the big stuff i didn't know that my voice sounded like that so just the, they just had this uh dr nick quality to the to the just the very beginning nice i actually get that simpsons reference but that's about it like i don't yeah, i never I, I, I wasn't allowed to watch the simpsons as a kid so i never i i I get very few Simpsons references. So oh, I'm the opposite. I, I mean, I still get very few Simpsons references, but I watched the first like four or five seasons. I didn't watch the 20 seasons. So any later episodes, I don't get early episodes references I get. Nice. That must be nice for you that your parents allowed you to watch that show in your 20s. As I say, I wasn't. I wasn't at home. I'm. I watched The Exorcist with my parents when I was seven. I didn't sleep for about a week. Uh, then they they let me watch. My parents didn't didn't restrict what I watched. Um, yeah, they just talked to me about what I watched and made sure I was in context. I was not allowed to watch anything scary growing up. Um, like I, I literally couldn't watch. I, I saw Jaws as an adult because I was not allowed to watch it as a child, and I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons because they thought it was it was fresh, um, fresh, and- exciting, and new. No, not like that. Like, like that was their word for dirty or or disrespectful uh-huh. or whatever. Um, but I, the one movie that so every once in a while I got to watch movies that they that were rated R for what they deemed an appropriate reason or they didn't think it wasn't an inappropriate reason. And the movie that scares me the absolute most in the or it scared me. I haven't seen it in twenty five years. When I was like 12 or I was 12 or 13, I was probably 13. My parents put on The General's Daughter. They rented it. It was like a political thriller with John Travolta. Yeah, I say that Travolta. Yeah, I got and, it. And <laughs> but it was I'm, I was 13, and I haven't like, I haven't gone back and seen it, so it could be really tame compared to what I remember. But there, that's what I say. I had two children when that movie came out. Yeah, two out of my three yeah. children were born when that came out. They, but the movie is about the investigation of of um, the death of the general's daughter, who was a military, some military rank. I don't know. But in the end, spoiler alert for a twenty five year old movie. But by the end of the end of the movie, you realize that she she was raped and and then committed suicide due to the trauma of the rape. And she was gang raped during like a. I feel like it wasn't an actual war, but it was like a war game. She was gang raped and they show the gang rape. And my parents thought we were just watching a political thriller and that they mm. might make like a couple references. They didn't think I was going to watch a scene. And like I said, it, it's been 25 years. I haven't watched it again since. Uh, so I don't, I, I could go back now and be like, Oh, I've seen so many worse things than this. But like at the time I literally didn't sleep for a couple nights. Cause I was just like, like, because I, I do see yeah. in dream, I do see in dreams. Just so you know, I don't know if I, we talked about that. On yeah, yeah, episode, yeah. But but it, it just you don't see the, the right people. Right, right. And so I I just like 
did not sleep for days because of this gang rape scene. And like you tell people and they're like your response, like, wasn't that a John Travolta political thriller? <laughs> and people are like, oh, my scary movie was was The Exorcist or my scary movie was Jaws or my scary was it's Friday the 13th. And I'm like, I, I get I it 100 percent. Yeah, because um, I once uh, back in my old comedy group, I used to host a um movie night tuesday nights or movie nights at my house and it was because i would reference i was 25 26 we had like 19 year olds in the group and that seemed like a huge age difference you know for some reason right i mean and i guess it was kind of was for like some 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 movies so it started with i'd reference the warriors all the time like um new york gang movie and none of the kids had seen it so i had them all over the house i got new york pizza and we watched it and then it became a weekly thing of just different movies that i liked that they hadn't seen and what's funny because that just that five-year age difference six-year age difference was huge because like we watched arthur with dudley moore Mm -hmm. and the guys in my comedy group their response was what's so funny about some drunk guy he's just sad and i'm like it's the funniest movie ever made (laughs) i love that movie and so but i remember that was became an age thing to me was we watched the dark crystal and you know, just for fun, like we eventually just became movies to watch. Watching Dark Crystal, and I am just my wife and I are just loving Dark Crystal. It's just a sweet movie. It's a fun movie. And we look over, and one of the guys is curled up in an almost fetal ball with a couch cushion in his hand, like biting it out of stress. And then we realized that, you know, we were, you know, finishing middle school when it came out. He was in elementary school, so to him. The Skeksis were scary monsters. And even now at 19, he still had that visceral scared, it's a scary movie response. While we were like, it's a Jim Henson movie. Yeah. I I was really afraid as a little, little, little kid of E.T. Uh, the When E.T.'s all white with the invisible heart, with the heart going to the translucent yeah. chest. That was terrifying. And the noise, the uh, noise during the... Uh, like when he's like freaking out where like it gets more that was that horrified me i was also pretty afraid of the oompa loompas from the gene wilder um uh willy wonka the chocolate factory yeah back to the warriors um i think we're gonna skip a topic this week because honestly we're seven minutes in and uh (laughs) we haven't gotten to it yet and i was trying to lead us there and it didn't go so we're gonna i I think we're talking about old movies we like. Yeah. But we talked um, about a big topic last time. I've yeah. I've never seen The Warriors and I've never seen The Lost Boys. Is it The Lost Boys with Kiefer Sutherland? Oh or... yeah, it is amazing good the movie. The Warriors okay. is a cult movie. I would never call it good. It's just part of my childhood and I love it yeah. from just having grown up with it. But but Lost Boys, the most beautiful woman in the world is in. Who is that? Jamie Gertz. Oh, I, I know I'm not. I know I'm a rare person, but I've I fell for Jamie Gertz um, in the early '80s before Lost Boys. She was in a TV show called Square Pegs about nerds, and she was like the preppy, rich, smart girl. And I kind of liked her there. Then she was in a science fiction movie called Solar Babies, and I fell head over heels in love with her. And I was kind of jealous when Lost Boys came out, and the rest of the world discovered her and was attracted to her, and it pissed me off because she was my private crush until then. Yeah. <laughs> The um, Lost Boys, you have to see the best soundtrack of any movie of the eighties. Really, not, really, that's trust not me. saying much. Um, oh, oh, that's painful. <laughs> uh, I think eighties might be the worst decade for music and movies. Um, but anyway, it, it's tough because that's that's when you were like an adolescent. So 
Yeah, uh, I, but, I uh, high school for me was eighty two to you know eighty eighty one to eighty five. You know that. So yeah, it's my my prime movie years. So, anyway, so I was in I was in a film class one time, and I forget we had to bring we had to dissect a scene. Uh, we had to bring a scene and di- and like and explain the importance of it, and like and and give the mise en scène and all the talk about all the different pieces of of the scene and it, and and I don't even remember what my movie was that I picked, but this kid next to me that I got along with really well picked the Warriors, and and he showed the clip where they're like Warriors come out and come play. out and play. And we, why would he do that? That's spoilers. It's the last scene of the movie. Okay. Well, I don't, in the context, I had no idea. Um, and, and you'll know that in a second when I finish the story, but he, so he shows us the thing and he tells us about how, you know, how good it is or whatever. And, and I said, I, I don't understand. Is this before they become vampires or is it after they become vampires? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, there's no vampires in the warriors. I'm like, yeah, huh? like Kiefer Sutherland is a vampire in this movie. Right. And, <laughs> and the guy, and what's his face from, um, Bill. Uh, no, Bill uh, guy, Oh, I forgot about Bill S. Preston. Yeah, Alex no, winter. Yeah. Was, was this is one other movie role. That, yeah. that anybody knows about. But he, um, he became a producer after that. He actually he was in Hollywood the whole time, just not okay. acting so much. Yeah. But it well, no, I was thinking of Corey Feldman. Is Corey, that both too, the Corys are in it? Both oh, the Corys, yeah. Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. They're they, um, they're both yeah. in it. Corey Haim is the, is the lead of the movie. One of the leads of the movie. Okay. Corey Feldman is one of the Freak Brothers. Yeah. So I had never I, seen again. I've I, seen the movie again. Yeah. <laughs> I had never seen either of the movies. And I like mix, mixed it up and he had zero idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm like, I've seen, I'm like, I know I haven't seen the movie, but like, I know there's vampires in it. And he goes, no, it's about gangs. And like, I'm like, yeah, vampire gangs. Like, yeah, there is no. gangs. And, he's, and I'm like, yeah, like, I'm like, there's a bunch of famous actors. Like, no, there's like nobody famous in it really. And, and I'm like, yeah, there, no. well, yeah, there is. Oh, fine, fine, fine. There isn't, but there, there, there are a couple of people who've been in a, a, a number of other things. Yeah, well, yeah, no, but big, also, no big stars though. This guy is probably three or but four not years Kiefer younger. Sutherland. This might, guy might be five years younger than me. This actor, or the, not actor, yeah. this kid in my class, because because yeah. I was twenty nine when I, I was almost twenty nine. He went back to school. Yeah. So he was quite a bit younger, but I, I for like had him going for like five or six minutes before we finally got on IMDb, and he goes. Are you talking about Lost Boys? And I'm like, yeah. Isn't Are that you? what this movie is? And he goes, no, the Warriors. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know the difference. So I've got a Warrior story. I was having trouble picturing this as a high school, as a college film or Me film too. school conversation, because when I was in middle school, or as we called it in Brooklyn, junior high school, uh, eighth grade English, we were doing public speaking or reports, and Richie Perlman lived around the corner from me. Richie Perlman. He did a oral report on the Warriors. Like, you know, it was like it didn't have to be a book report or anything because we we're just trying to do the presentation part. And he's telling the story, summarizing the story of the Warriors. And there's a part where the lead, um, the warlord, meets this girl who's, you know, they're going through the worst parts of New York City. So she is very casual who she spends time with, to be polite. The word that he used to describe her, and this is in Brooklyn in the 80s, was she's a hua. 
<laughs> you know, so he meets the, he meets this hua in the sewer or in the train station, and they're walking through the train with this hua. And Mr. Sandler, my English teacher, screams, and I don't want to blow up the, the microphone, the speakers, but he goes, "Don't use that word in my classroom!" And everyone is like, oh! and he goes, "It's pronounced whore." <laughs> it was such a great little moment with him. Yeah, but I I remember that. Yeah, we used to use it in my fraternity. We would take beer bottles. If you remember that scene, the main bad guy had three beer bottles. He was clacking them together and letting them vibrate. And we used to do it in the fraternity. We used to call our pledges down for dinner. Go, pledges, come down to play, pledges. And it was like, I was one of maybe three people who knew where it came from. It was just something that was handed down in the fraternity since the 70s. And so we're here in the late 80s. And most, and this was in North Carolina. And most of the guys had never seen the movie. and had no idea. They thought, someone made it up in their fraternity history. I'm like, no, they stole it from the movie. I had to go out and get the movie on video and show everybody the movie so they would know where it came from. Nice. And I have a favorite historical tidbit about your favorite movie, The Lost Boys, about gangs um, that you haven't seen. There, when, I was, when I was in that age group, there was a film company out of New Jersey that you may be familiar with from your film background. Do you know Trauma Films? Um. The Toxic Avenger? Uh, yes, sir. The Toxic no, Avenger, the, cl- the, the, cl- the class of Newcomb High. They did a movie that I loved called um, Surf Nazis Must Die. And it was about the surfer gangs. And one was a gang of Nazis. And then there was a good gang of surfers. And then there were a bunch of teenagers, like, like 13, 14-year-olds who skateboarded. And they, when they'd say skateboards, they'd get mad and said, we're earth surfers, riders of the hard wave. And, but the surf Nazis, their hideout was in these caves under a big building or an old hotel or something. And that's the set that the Lost Boys used for the vampire's hideout. Their hideout was that same cave. And at the beginning of the movie, they kill a bunch of um, like motorcycle gang members on the beach. And in the end credits of the movie, those bikers that they kill are listed as surf Nazi one, surf Nazi two, surf Nazi three. So, Lost Boys is a sequel to uh, Surf Nazis Must Die. Nice. So there's an Easter egg that that's who they took their hideout from, was the Surf Nazis. That's awesome. You mentioned my favorite that it was my favorite movie, but we both know my favorite. <laughs> well, maybe you don't know. I think I mentioned it. When we, had, when we had Saba on, my favorite movie of all time is Man on the Moon. Oh, with, yeah. About Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. Yeah. I, was, I, had to, I had to drive about four hours for work today. And I was, I was like, oh, maybe I'll put on a podcast. And so I put on, on the uh, Cuffs Basement podcast, which is my friend Paul, who does the world's best podcast, who I fuck up every every. I thought intro. we do that. And uh, he, his friend Tim, who was the co-host of the world's best podcast for a little bit, went and did a spinoff podcast called Cuffs Basement. He's been doing it for like five years. I highly recommend it. On this last episode that he aired this week, it's just called The Great Gatsby. And I was like, oh, I like The Great Gatsby. And I clicked the episode and and he just starts out and he goes, The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And my young, younger, <laughs> and, and he starts doing it. And I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is hilarious. And I, and I, and I'm like, I'm not going to listen to this for, it's a two hour long episode or something. Like, I'm not going to listen to this, but like, I wonder if it, if it, fast forward, if fast it just forward, starts. Fast so I fast forwarded and I'm at like an hour 10 or something and he's still going. And I'm like, good for fucking him. 
That's very Kaufman-esque. Yes. Uh, well, uh, that's exactly what he does in the movie. Is it, it, or and I think he did it. He went to one yeah. of the colleges and did it. And then they're like, "We want Latka." Thank you very much. And then I went to, <laughs> <laughs> and I just was laughing. I was laughing so hard at that because um, it it is my favorite movie of all time. Um, also, and I know that for anybody who's seen the movie, which is of our view of our listenership. People who've seen the movie, that would be Sarah specific. So maybe yeah. I won't be maybe I won't be judged um, by the by this. But I showed Logan the movie. I just skipped over. I I think I made him go in the bathroom for the hooker scene for thirty mm-hmm. seconds. Um, but because there's nothing else really that's dirty. There's lots of language, but nothing bad. And Logan loves it. And and a couple times has been like, can we watch that movie again? And and our our quote from that movie that we always do to each other when is you are all wet i don't want to do it and blow out the microphone but we do the the tony clifton voice of you are all wet and and we constantly do that to each other the three of us did you ever watch the documentary i'm from hollywood is that the one with jim carrey and it talks about him playing no it's no it's about andy kaufman it's after andy kaufman was dead but it's about andy kaufman's foray into wrestling and they interview a lot of celebrities about what he was doing. They interviewed Jimmy Lawler about it, uh, you know, yeah. from actual wrestler, but like Robin Williams is interviewed in it. The cast of taxi is interviewed and it's all about how he kind of lost himself in the wrestling and like went over the edge with it. But what I do not know to this day, how much of the movie is a scripted BS yeah. like Kaufman would have written and how much, cause like I remember, Robin Williams was like, you know, he started wearing the wrestling tights like under his clothes. And we were like, Andy, you're going too far with this. I'm like, that doesn't sound like it could be true. But he says it's so deadpan. But he's an Oscar winning actor. So, of course, he can convince me it's true. I just don't know. When So I didn't know anything about Andy Kaufman before Man on the Moon came out. But I was, you know, I was hysterical. I was 10 years old when Jim Jim Carrey made his big debut with the Ace Ventura and dumb and dumber and the mask all in that year. And I was immediately hooked on Jim Carrey and, and I was a Jim Carrey super fan fast forward five years. And, and he's got this movie coming out and they're talking about this movie. And I, and I, at that point was already like on IMDb and I would read articles about movies because I was getting into movies beyond just Jim Carrey, but I was all, you know, this weird cross section of like wanting to, to make movies and Jim Carrey being my favorite. And this movie was and he's just up. switching from goofy movies to serious yeah, acting exactly roles. and so he you know he's got the truman show the year before he has so uh he was in simon birch he's like it's, it's all these things where he's starting to kind of shift and their article there was a lot of articles because the he was such a maniac on the set and they don't and i don't know anything about this going into the movie um about the about who Andy Kaufman is. So I don't know any of that side of it. And it's just talking about how um, Jim Carrey got in a fight with Jerry Lawler on the set. And and uh, in the fight, uh, they, I don't remember if they broke his neck or what. And I just remember being like, holy shit. And like, That's it, the Andy Kaufman story. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like 14 years old. And I'm like, what the fuck? The guy broke Jim Carrey's neck. And, a, and then I finally get to go see the movie. Actually, I think I, I had to wait till it got it came out because I don't think I could go see it because it was rated R. It was his first like, rated R movie that I so I couldn't go see it. I had to wait for it to come out in Blockbuster. Went and got it. I'm watching this movie, and and the guy breaks 
Andy Kaufman's neck. I'm like, this guy, and I and I immediately like, look everybody's up, neck, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this guy's a, a maniac. What what an animal! Like he's you know, and and then it gets to the part where where uh, Danny DeVito is like, I just don't think you guys can do this wrestling thing, and it cuts over to Jerry Lawler and Jim Carrey sitting next to each other, going, but we thought it was really funny, <laughs> and I just remember like. The whole thing, because at that point, the article double thick. was like a year and a half old. And I'm like, holy shit. It was like, it was that, you know, the, the meme of the person with all the math on the board. Uh-huh. It was me, like, figuring it all out in layers. And uh, I, I was picturing, when... the, the speaking of wrestling, the, the Vince McMahon yeah. brain exploding one, thinking that Jerry Lawler oh, yeah. broke uh, uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey's uh, neck, realizing he broke... Uh, uh, Andy Kaufman's like realizing they were both fake. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's that was. I think a lot of the. So I love the movie. I like watching the movie, but a lot of the like lore of the movie has helped until I I started watching the Jim Carrey documentary and had to shut it off because I'm like Jim Carrey sounds like such a douchebag in this documentary and it will ruin it for me. But. All the, you know, that side of it, all the lore about Andy Kaufman, the fact that, like, at the end of the movie, there's like a, you know, the, Tony's on stage and you're like, oh, it's, it's uh, Paul Giamatti. Okay. Or, um, yeah. I forget the guy's name. And you're like, oh, that's, that's. Paul Zamuda yeah, is the real life Paul, person. Yeah. And then so they, playing Tony Clifton. Yeah. And then they, they, they pan backwards and you see like Courtney Love and Danny DeVito. And then you see Paul Giamatti sitting there. And then there's the, and then it cuts right back to the neon sign of Andy, like the neon cutout of Andy's. And you're like, oh, they want us to think he faked his death. And I was like, and yeah. I remember well, and that's every, always been a question. And every episode, every time I'd watch the movie over again, I would land on a, it would flip flop me on whether or not he was really dead. I loved that. I loved the. Well, that was I, my conspiracy thing on our conspiracy show. Like, if I was when I was, I'd want to be true. It's that Andy Coffin faked his death. That's what mm-hmm. I said was my conspiracy theory that I would like to be true. Yeah. Yep. I had never seen an uh, a movie that had played with, you know, a meta, a meta movie the way that I had done that. I, mean, I had seen Ferris Bueller and things that it broke the fourth wall. But when you get into that beginning of the movie where he comes out as Latka. And he's like, hello, my name is Andy, and this is my movie. It is a very stupid movie. In fact, I cut out all the stuff that isn't true. In fact, this is the end of the movie. And then the credits start to roll. I remember being like, the fuck is this? And I just remember it's being very, like, it's very authentically Andy is what's great. Yeah. It was so faithful to what well, he was. Yeah. And I, and I think that, and, and I maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think that there's a lot of stuff now, or and there was in my childhood, that was probably inspired by Andy that we don't see anymore like you know think about like tiny tune adventures and because they were different than looney tunes you know i could see brain pinky and the brain doing stuff like that and all these other animaniacs with where they were messing around with that and it's you know it's like anything else where when you've noticed the 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 copy or the thing that that kind of mimics or whatever you're like find the source material and you're like wait and it's the holy grail and like i think that that's part of what you know, this was a really funny movie. It was a really well-made, you know, well-acted, well-made movie. It's it's the it's um, Milos Forman who is he he did uh, one of my other favorite movies of all time, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, 
Uh, he did Amadeus, which I remember liking. I don't I haven't seen it in a long time. And so you get this like you have the guy, the guy, this you know Academy Award winning director who's done two of the most prestigious films of the last thirty years, and then you got him with Jim Carrey and Danny DeVito, and it just it like it literally checks all the boxes for me. Yeah, and it and it's like because like for me it was amazing because it was Andy Kaufman's life story, yeah. and I he was a fan of Land. I mean, I, I I was in the target audience of of watching Taxi and then seeing him on SNL doing the most absurdist humor that it could be, and then I remember seeing him on like at Night of the Improv, you know, which was like the stand-up comedy at one in the morning yeah. in New York. I saw one of his famous routines on Night of the Improv where Bob Zamuda was in the audience and he was doing, um, you know, uh, Foreign Man, which you know was Latka, but Foreign Man, the, the stand-up character. And, and Zamuda's in the audience pretending to be a patron and he's saying all of the... Um, uh, the jokes, the punchlines for the jokes before Andy gets them. And then Andy's like, what are you doing, man? You're in my act. He goes, well, you got no act. It's old. And it's like, so they start getting an argument. And then all of a sudden he goes, you know what? You know how boring he is? I, he paid me to do this. This argument's part of the act. And he pulls out the microphone and he goes, look, I'm mic'd. He paid me to do this bullshit. And he slams down and runs, walks out. I'm like, And all I know, I'm like, what the hell just happened? Not knowing that it's Bob Zamuda, his agent and best friend, so that part was scripted too. Yeah. Like the fact that he went out was scripted. Yeah. It was the strangest thing that he did that knowing he's going to be on TV. That was how he wanted his stand up on TV a bullshit, not funny act followed by a fake fight. Yeah. Andy Kaufman. I love that. So the first time I ever did stand up was at my senior talent show in high school. And I did all original material which was not great, um, as you would expect from a high school senior uh, at a Catholic school who has <laughs> very little to talk about. Um, I wasn't going to get into anything real, obviously, but I, so I, I, I was like, I'm going to do, I have like a, I have all these jokes planned and I, I did, I had a good amount of jokes planned and I said, but here, I said to one of my, I, I, I hesitate to call him a friend, but it was a, a classmate who, um, Actually, her because she's transitioned now and i keep forgetting but classmate that um was in theater with me and the only person willing to go out on on stage and i was like okay or well go, willing to go out on stage to do what i asked and i said if i'm floundering up there what i want you to do is run up behind me pretend to grab something and run off stage and then i will say well i need to go chase down what's left of my dignity that he just stole and that was how I ended it. And I was like, and I and I was like, regardless of how good or bad I'm doing, like that's how I'm going to end it. But like when I start, like when it's getting like, okay, this needs to wrap up. That's how we're going to do it. Thirty seconds in? No, it was a solid two minutes, three minutes. I got a couple laughs because it was just weird. Like, okay, I was, I had gone to, I don't want to say drag, but I'd gone to to school in a dress one day. For like, we had like a Disney dress up day or whatever, because we, we had uniforms, but you have these days off where you didn't have to wear your uniform, but they were always themed. And so like, it was, I had shown up for school that day and didn't remember that there was a thing, went into the costumes and the theater costumes, uh, and found a polka dot, pink polka dot dress. I was like, and, and Minnie Mouse ears. I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to be Minnie Mouse today. And so that was literally like, that was the front page of my yearbook. 
and it was so like infamous at my school so like i made jokes about like i was gonna come out here on stage uh, uh out here with a dress on but i figured i needed to get some new material for you guys like and i get laughs off that because people were laughing that they knew it was all inside right. jokes with me and my my yep. classmates ironic that your scene partner was a trans woman and you didn't know it that while is true. you were making jokes about cross-dressing that's true yeah a lot of the a lot of the jokes that i made uh that time were sh- schadenfreude of myself you know self deprecating deprecating i used Not to defecating make, deprecating i used to make i mean you joke. could do self-defecating but not at a catholic school no i think that was one of my jokes was uh you know i really i specialize in self-defecation uh, deprecation Ah, oh, I really shit the bed on that. <laughs> that was one of my jokes. Or cra- I probably said crap the bed. I don't think I was allowed to say shit yeah. in my high school uh, talent show. I was in the high, the senior talent show when I was a sophomore as well. Because um, it wasn't specifically for seniors. If they didn't get enough turnout, they would get other people. Plus, you could be in a senior's sketch or whatever they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, this is... It's going to go a lot darker than I thought, uh, than I think this episode has so far. But one of the sketches that they, or one of the things they wanted to do was have four or five people come out and do impressions of the teacher and like almost uh, t- of teachers and do almost like an improv game where you had to, where the people had to yell out which teacher it was. So I got told, you know, you get told which teacher or you said, which teacher can you do impressions of? And you'd list the teachers and, they planned it ahead of time. Okay, you're going to do Mr. Blah, 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 and you're going to do Mr. Blah, blah, blah. So you don't have four people do the same person. Makes sense. Right. And so I, I get out there. I'm going to do... I forget what... I, I know what the teacher's name is. I'm not going to say it because because uh, I don't want legal repercussions. <laughs> so I got out there, and, I, and this teacher... So I was a sophomore. I had had him for freshman history, and he had talked nonstop about this Russian exchange student that we had had um, that he had helped to bring to the country. Really good guy, the Russian exchange student. But he, like, every lecture that he gave us, like, it was like, oh, this, you know, I, I won't say this guy's name either. You know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Was, you know, and he just always talked to him. Never, nonstop talking about him. And so that was my whole impression was just, like, nonstop talking about this guy. Uh, and And everyone knew exactly who it was. My senior year, three weeks before I graduate high school, that teacher is arrested in New Hampshire for soliciting minor boys for sex. And like for like, it was basically uh, Dateline uh, to catch a predator before to catch uh-huh. a predator. And, and I remember thinking my immediate thought being like, oh, fuck, did I just, was I making fun of this guy's first victim, like, and I, and I, to this day, his mail order bride that he brought over. Oh yeah. And it was, I remember being like horrified for a long time about that. I think maybe we can call this one the rambling episode. No. Yeah. So we didn't have a talent show in my high school. There was a thing called sing. That was a competition, but my middle school, my junior high school did have a talent show. And I uh, juggled all three years. I was the the juggler uh, and it's amazing when you're starting out juggling how much better I am. I was every year. Like my, my I, seventh, eighth and ninth grade, my ninth grade juggling was so much superior to my seventh grade. And my brother was home from college that week. And during, they wouldn't let him come out during all 
three performances. It was like three days in a row, one for the seventh grade, eighth grade. But from my, I could have my guest from my grade for the ninth grade. So my brother came out and I'm doing a routine and he came out and we did this thing where I would, so this is my brother, I, he's my older brother, but I taught him how to juggle, which is not true. He learned before me, but I would do a, I said, here's a simple trick and I would do it. And then he would steal the balls from the side and like hip check me away and do the same trick. And I'd run it back and do it to him. And we kept like doing tricks and then hip knocking each other out of the way and doing the trick. And finally he knocked me so far, I went and fell down and he started juggling and I went off stage disgruntled, came back out with three more balls. And then we, face each other and we did juggling and passing the balls back between between back and forth between each other nice. and it was like huge huge accolades from across like oh my god i was like yep i taught my brother how to do this just for this act even though he'd been juggling for like five years six years <laughs> nice and we're done and we're done no i'm just joking um Interesting. I don't know if you knew this, by the way, because I pulled up on IMDb uh, the Warriors when we were talking about the Warriors. But mm-hmm. Same director as Forty Eight Hours, which was excellent. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting there to be anything on that director's like uh, page, but he did the Forty Eight Hour first Forty Eight Hours movie. Um, yeah, so so here's who the, the the two people who actually had careers. I mean, I'm sure I probably people did stuff, but um, James Rem, James Remmer was in that, and yeah. he was in like a million TV shows. Sex in the City. He was one of Samantha's boyfriends. He was the but, like, dad. He was, he was Dexter's dad, I think, too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was Dexter's dad, 100. percent And then um, Deborah Van Valkenburg was in a show called Too Close for Comfort before this, I think, or yeah. right after one or the other. I remember Mercedes Rule is in it. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, quite. Yeah, Mercedes Rule had a a f- one minute part before she it was before she was famously Mercedes Rule before she did the big stuff. She played a undercover cop who looked like a woman, and um, one of the guys uh, was hitting on her, and then she slapped handcuffs on him, and the police came out and arrested him. And he was, she was like, "What the hell?" Like she was flirting with him, and he he went hit on her, but then he got too aggressive. So it was like no. that was entrapment bullshit. Like she, he didn't go after her. She called him over. Yeah. He knew a lot of the laws about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was, there's a um, comedian I've caught clips of on, uh, maybe, like on TikTok or whatever, but he talks about how, um, you know, I think it was maybe talking about R. Kelly or something like that, how he's not a pedophile. He goes, just bear yes. with me. He's, he's terrible. He's horrible. Like it's off the table. Terrible. But that's not technically pedophilia. Because the problem is you can't make these differences without sounding like a pedophile. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I like that joke. Marco, De, Marco something or other. Um, today at work, we were talking about the big stuff. No. I mentioned, so one of my first jobs was working at a um, cemetery as a groundskeeper. And I was explaining, like, the reason why I had that job is because I lived across the street from the cemetery. And so I just had to walk across the street to go to work and, you know, weed whack around the tombstones and shit. And, and then I said... So you went to the cemetery to whack your weeds? Yeah. Yeah. And then I said something about, oh, and, and I... Um, what did I say? Oh, oh and, and then I told them another cemetery story at work. And I was like... A separate cemetery that I also lived across the street from. And they're like, you lived across the street from two cemeteries? And I was like, yeah, it's weird when your parents are necrophiliacs. And everyone <laughs> at the table just was like, the fuck? <laughs> even for me, that was a little weird. And I was like, eh, no. 
and like it just was coincidence. It's also, you know, like I haven't right. Okay, so I think a we don't talk about how prevalent cemeteries are as like we don't think about it. Like there's a tiny little cemetery in my neighborhood that I think is probably 400 years old or something that they won't, you know. So it's at the end of the. You wouldn't know it was there unless you've walked around a bunch during COVID, trying to find somewhere to go that there's no other people to walk around. But there's lots of cemeteries all over the place, so it's not that weird to live near or next to a cemetery. Yeah, my my best friends lived next to a cemetery um, yeah. when I was growing up, and the gangs of tough Italians used to hang out there. There was a lane that went past them, and they called themselves the Lane Gang because they went they, they hung out in the lane that went past the cemetery. Uh, do you know the difference? Pop quiz, pop quiz. What's the difference between a cemetery and a graveyard? The headstones being up or down, like above nope. the ground or in ground? Uh, nope, nope. Um, it's it's one of these like, like, graveyards. All well, graveyards are cemeteries, but not all cemeteries are graveyards. A graveyard is adjacent to a church, like it's the yard of the church, where a cemetery is standalone, doesn't have a church on the property. And I found this out when my wife and I were vacationing in Columbia, uh, uh, not Columbia, um, Charleston, South Carolina. And, uh, you know, it's really, really like 400 something year old city right on the water. And there's tons of hotels and things that are built on top of cemeteries like poltergeist because there were so many cemeteries. And as the city grew, they just built, they, they moved things, they built things over. It. And there was one spot we went on this walking tour where there was a church with a graveyard and then there's a cemetery and there used to be one big graveyard until they made a street right through the middle of it. So now one side of it is a cemetery because the street cuts it off from the church and the other side's the graveyard. That's where we found out the difference. Where they're like, there's bodies underneath the street. They didn't move all the bodies. They just paved the street. Nice and weird. And if you've ever seen the movie Poltergeist, which, you know, was before you were born, but if you watched it as a classic, that's why it was haunted, because there was an Indian burial, like, which is kind of racist, but an Indian uh, burial ground or whatever they, they built on top of that they didn't, they were supposed to have moved the bodies and they didn't, they just built on top of them. They moved the gravestones. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember that movie pretty well. Um, we did at work today, somebody brought up ghosts and they were saying something about ghosts and... And I, and I said, I forget how they brought they brought it to me or whatever. And I was like, well, as an atheist, I I don't really believe in ghosts. And a woman uh, at my work was like, I don't mean to sound stupid, but do atheists all not believe in ghosts? I never thought of it before. And I said, no. Nope. I said it. I said I am a skeptic, a skeptical atheist. Yeah. I said, so I haven't seen any evidence for it, so that's why I don't believe in it. But you don't have to. And and it like started this very nice discussion. My, my work, I would say half of my day-to-day people that I sp- spend time with at work now are non-religious. They're not atheists, but and maybe they would say they believe in something, but they're like... I used to work with a guy like that who wasn't quite ready to say he was an atheist, but he was right on the yeah. cusp. Okay, so I'm gonna do. I'm gonna shout out. So, Cat, if you're listening, I'm recording this the day I saw you. So my coworker or my ex coworker came into work today. She hasn't worked with me since like the end of August or beginning of September. And she used to. I used to talk about her a bit on the podcast because she was very Christian, and I would give a lot of shit because I'd be like, "No, that person's a secret atheist, and that person's a secret atheist." But I'd say it so that that person could hear me every time, and. Uh, today she randomly happened to come in and I was like, 
we got a lot more secret atheists on the team now. And, and, uh, and I, I feel like we have a bunch of people who are, you know, they're where they're maybe not quite where I was when, when you and I started working together, but they're, you know, they're down, down the road a bit, but down the path. one person. So one, one of my coworkers, I'm not going to mention anybody else by name because they would not be happy with me if I did in this particular discussion. But one of my coworkers, and I forget it's you, she, Raul. We're talking about you. Yeah. Um, I forget how she worded it, but she goes, I had a little too much to drink at Thanksgiving. And I was like, so do we believe in God? <laughs> and I was like, yes. I was like, that was I, so funny. My comedy group used to rent a space from the universal unitarian church in raleigh and um i don't know if they call themselves a church they call themselves a fellowship i guess universal unitarian fellowship and like we used a classroom space for our rehearsals and like the class discussion topic either from that day or for the next day whatever was on the board and it was do you use believe in jesus and i'm like you know when you have to have a conversation in your religious organization about whether you believe in the number one guy in your religious because most of them are either atheists or close to it yeah actually one of my coworkers that i was talking the one that's probably the most non-religious that would say she's the most non-religious she goes to a uu because she likes the um the pop and circumstance of doing stuff and they do a lot of service she was raised catholic goes to uu um and today she said to me are you frozen nope okay your screen is frozen but i didn't know if you if you could hear me or not um she said to me today we were, she was the one that said the thing about ghosts and then she said something later on she goes because we were talking about mental health and mental illness and and she goes religion's just mental illness that we've all accepted or that we just all like have to accept right that people are just mentally ill and i was like right, yeah i mean i was trying really hard to be diplomatic and i was like yeah i guess that makes sense and she was like i i believe in something but at the same time i'm like but it's not real. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I love that. I, I there was a, like maybe the first atheist podcast I used to listen to doesn't really exist anymore. It was the ardent atheist. And uh, the guy was a movie maker in, in California and, and, and stand-up comedian. So you'd have filmmaking guests, uh, atheists, like celebrity-ish guests and comedians and stuff. And he'd always ask them, what do you believe? And why do you believe it? Like, you know, not debating, but just always get it on the table. And sometimes people would give this like, this weird ass, this is my religion that I made up kind of thing. You know, well, I believe God is this energy of love who does blah, 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 blah. And then he'd be like, okay, where'd you get that from? He goes, well, it's just what I believe. He goes, so you made that up. So you know it's wrong, right? Like you didn't stumble upon the secret of the universe. Like, why do you believe something that you know you made up? (laughs) All right, so two things. I love that. And the second thing is... Um, because you just reminded me of it when you said that when you were talking with this guy, but, um, so the woman that asked me about atheism and believing in ghosts, she was like, there's a guy on YouTube that he, he's atheist. And I think he might've been a Mormon. I forget, but he was very religious. And, um, and he has like these, these videos and she was, she was describing, I'm like, is it Jimmy snow? Cause, cause I'm trying to think of what ones are Mormon. And I'm like, I don't, Jimmy Snow is one of them that, and I'm trying to think. And I, and she goes, he's, he's tall and kind of, he's kind of tall and skinny 
Uh, and I was like, well, how, what age range? I'm like, are we talking like my age or younger? And she's like, he's probably mid forties, maybe 50. And I, I already figured out who it is. So I'm going to tell you if you're trying mm-hmm. if you're Googling it right now, but, um, and so I'm like trying to figure out, I'm like, is it, this, you know, does this sound familiar? And I finally, I'm like, is it Seth Andrews? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, does he sound like a radio host? Does, does he, he sound like John Delancey? <laughs> does he have like a radio host voice? And like, he's, you say he's tall and skinny. And then she's like, yeah, he does have kind of a radio host voice. And I follow Seth Andrews on Instagram. And I, so yeah, I yeah. pull up his Instagram. And I just, it, the only picture of him is on his, that I could find was his, his, uh, his profile picture, which is kind of a, it's not an incredibly good picture to, identify someone off of but i show it to her she goes yeah that's the guy and i was like so you're listening to seth andrews nice nice i just was like really impressed yeah i mean and i said to her i was like i don't i said i really like when he's talking with other people i don't love listening to him just talk like like i don't i don't i don't love the cadence of it the way that when it's when he's just lecturing but i like his conversations uh when i've listened to his conversations and I kind of like it more when he's not leading the conversation. But I'm like, I like him as a person. I think there's a lot of cool stuff with him. And for a little, for a little bit before that, I thought it was Matt Dillahunty, and I was like, there's no way she knows Matt Dillahunty. And then, and then I was like, Seth Andrews. And I was like, yeah. Seth Andrews has. And so it was kind of cool that like, it was kind of cool to to you know somebody who's not an atheist who I mean, this is probably how you felt when I came over with like you know about Tom and Cecil. Uh, but you're like, which ones do you listen to? I'm like, I listen to all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and... Seth is a great guy. We had him here once, and um, Jacob was maybe 16, so nine years ago, and worked his merch counter while he was doing his talk, and then do, autographing books and and talking to people and doing you know photos, whatever. And then we all went out to dinner. And he came over to Jacob and he said, by the way, you know, thank you so much for working on my merch table. And he gave him a, a mug, the Thinking Atheist mug, which Jacob brought with him to college eventually. I mean, he nice. still, still has the mug. But he, was, he, was very, he was very nice. Well, I don't know if you could hear Logan just then. Uh, that was that noise. I thought someone was killing a barn owl. He screamed, Dad. He's doing something excitedly. But we've been recording for 48 minutes. And I don't yeah, think it's time to much... go see Logan. Not too much to cut out of this this particular episode. Everything was on topic. Yeah, uh, there was no topic. So we can <laughs> shoot the shit. We can save our topic for ne- for another time. But good. I wanted to have my son on for it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That topic. was just a meta joke there. Yeah. All right. So meta joke for the people who know the topic. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta just kind of entertain yourself and others will follow yep all right all right you got anything have a wonderful night you got anything to say oh we got anything to oh we talked about movies so here if you want to see some cool movie clips recreated by one of the finest actors in american cinema um go on youtube and go to youtube.com slash at blooper puppet that's b-l-o-o-p-e-r-p-u-p-p-e-t 8267 blooper puppet 8267 on youtube um and um it's uh, he's a fine actor and he reproduces some stirring speeches and scenes from some of um, the greatest movies in history yeah we should do an episode where we just pick a character each of us and do that voice for the whole episode um no one will listen to that i mean nobody's listening to this so it's kind of cool. well we should have done that for april fools oh that would have been awesome 
released a second episode for next year we will do that and it'll be pretty cool we'll be like oh wow that's a blooper i can't do blooper but you do I'll blooper and i'll do current i'll do colonel tom parker and they'll think the same <laughs> they're brothers i like by the way <laughs> side tangent uh and then I, then i'm for real gonna wrap it up um i like that how many inside jokes we've now got going on the show like specific to the show and i was realizing like there's one specific inside joke that we've mentioned a bunch of times, or I've mentioned at least three or four times now, that if my parents started listening to the podcast, would not know as an inside joke anymore. And that is that when you said something about my dad one episode, and I said, oh, he would hate you, like jokingly. And now I've just stuck that as canon in the That's show. official canon. And he so like me. I've made that reference. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, if my dad just randomly picked up this episode and just heard me go, my dad would hate you. Like, what would he think about that? Why? What did this guy possibly do? And then, you know, and then you make him the comment about it being because you're Jewish and and he'll be like... Self-hating Jew. Does he? Yeah, well. (laughs) Not uncommon. That's not, that's true, but it's not, that's not his problem. That's not a problem. (laughs) I don't know. But I think I might have to like prep him. I might have to be like, because he, because I know he doesn't listen to the podcast. Well, I shouldn't say I know that. I know he has, he doesn't listen to podcasts although sometimes he does things for me that he doesn't do otherwise so he could be listening but um i've mentioned to him that i've talked about him on the show and so like he's aware of it so i'll just have to be like yeah there's a kind of an inside joke that uh you hate my co-host <laughs> or that you would hate my co-host but all right so i'm not gonna leave i'm not gonna plug anything um I will just uh, I will just bid you all adieu to you and you and you, and that's all of our listeners. Those three people. Um, all right, all right. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us to talk about the big stuff. <laughs>